What's going on, good people? Yeah. It's that time of the week, man. I, I'm feeling uh feeling amazing today. Fellas, how y'all feeling? Reef, I don't really care how you feeling. Charles, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good, fraud. man. I'm good. Just, fraud. just just got back in town, unpacked, washed, and about to repack and, and 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 catching a flight in the morning. But uh I'm good, man. Uh happy to be here and looking forward to the topic. Yeah, yeah, Reef, how up. you doing? Good man, safe travels, <laughs> safe travels, uh, Doctor Cole. Yeah, Appreciate doing well, you. man, doing well. Like it's it's almost September. Um, not that I'd be all into this, but Virgo season is number one. If I was into it, I'm not, but it's still number one season. Um, and fall's my favorite, man. It's just it's a beautiful, beautiful time. So yeah, good to see y'all. Good to see you, Cole. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Chris is joining us. He's, he he has uh, some tech issues, but uh, he sent me a text saying that he he's gonna he's gonna come through. And so, before we jump into the topic, because I, I would hate to jump into this topic without him being here, right? Brief, uh, mm. you got something coming up, man. I want you to plug it because you won't be plugging your stuff. You get what uh, you got coming up in November? Yeah, appreciate the push, man. Um, so yeah, this will be our fifth annual National Black Men Educators Convening, uh, BMEC hashtag BMEC twenty twenty two. Um, you can find information on our, on our on the Center for Black Educator Development's website. Um, we're excited, man. We, you know, traditionally, you know, we started in 2015, October 1, 2015, bringing black men together, um, elevating their voices, perspective and experiences in the educational systems in their schools. Uh, but it's always been open to everybody, you know, and I used to have, you know, women or, you know, other allies say like, oh, well, is it open? It says black men. I'm like, when's the last time you heard? from hundreds of black men educators. They're like, I never did, I only have one or I don't have any in my school. I'm like, all right, then you need to come listen, you know? Um, so yeah, you know, uh, there's the site, thank you um, to our super producer, the real super producer behind the scene, uh, putting this stuff up. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're excited, man. We used to do regional and I can tell you why we started the national joint. One of the reasons. Uh, we were doing these regionals, basically the tri-state area of Philadelphia, you know, PA, Jersey, you know, New York to, to D.C., basically. And then these young men, one Saturday we were having a regional uh, BMEC and these young men came in and I was like, where y'all from? They were like, oh, we can't. We drove up from Tennessee. We heard y'all were coming together and we we're like, you drove up from Tennessee. They're like, yeah, they were first and second year teachers, man. And after that, we just really started saying, like, you know, what? let's let's open it up to, to folks beyond um this tri-state area and so they're you know they were part of the group and then of course i got to shout out janice jones who had the first inaugural male educators of color at at the department of ed with dr kaloa harris dr david johns and others um who supported that so those are like two the two big inspirations to start um black male educator convening you know chris has shared he came to our very first one october 1 2015 uh stewart it's been a minute Mm -hmm. a minute. So excited to jump back in. A Black Hands will yeah. be part of the, uh, you know, part of the agenda. So not you know, if that contract ain't right. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> grimy. Hey, just grimy. So, I'm just hey, glad wait. you always are publicly grimy so people understand. Yeah, you know I mean, because they think I just be making it up. You just make it easy. Bro, listen, I got screenshots for days. Listen, so so you two did an anti-America show on Friday. What, what was that about? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, but you're, you're we did, we did a pro-justice, pro pro-justice. 
All right, so explain it though. So it wasn't this Friday, it was the Friday before. You're talking about the Haitian Revolution, August twenty first. Yeah. Um yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, go ahead, Stuart. You know. No, I mean we just did That's a show it. on the Haitian Revolution. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very important story, not always told very uh, uh not told thoroughly in schools. Mm-hmm. So it was a learning experience even for me. First black colony to uh, free itself, to overthrow the master. And uh, in doing so, they scared uh, foreign powers into changing all kinds of rules because if it could happen in Haiti, it could happen anywhere. So it, uh, uh, it made big, big changes. And I think people should go and read the first Haitian Declaration of Independence because that's what the show was about. And it was really important. Yeah. So it was pro-justice, not anti-American, although sometimes that might be construed the same. Look at Stuart with all those Karens in the back of his uh, in his yeah, background. They, they, they coming for me, on? man. They coming for me. I got to so, run. I got to run. <laughs> well, ah, get out of here. <laughs> bro, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Anyway, let's jump into the show, right? So, so the show, the show tonight is quiet. Quiet quitting. Right. And so uh, it's kind of popped off. I wrote written something maybe like a, uh, a week and a half ago about quiet quitting. So basically to, to describe it or to define it for you guys is uh, contracted employees or salaried employees. They're only going to work their 40 hours or work what's in their contract. They're not going to go above and beyond what's in their contract and uh, and, and, and anything other than that they're not doing. And so they have. uh uh, categorize this as quiet quitting. So, fellas, uh, off based off of that definition, what are y'all's initial thoughts? Quiet quitting. Ooh, got so many. I just <laughs> first of all, let me just start here because I'm gonna be the old man on tonight's show. I'm glad you, you I'm, waited for him. Get tell I'm, him. Get I'm, off your lawn. Tell I'm him. just. I'm just gonna say it from the beginning. Let me just say it from the beginning. Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. <laughs> Damn kids. Uh, anyway, so so let me get that out the way quick first but i want to start with uh dr cole okay because here's why i want to start with you charles because i I, this is this is not rhetorical either i literally want your feedback on this right so quiet quitting as a concept uh is supposed to mean setting of appropriate workplace boundaries Mm -hmm. so that you don't do anything more you don't go above and beyond what you're being asked to do so in teaching it's called work to rule Mm-hmm. So basically work to rule means just work to the contract, right? And don't do anything more. So if you're asked to like write letters for kids to get into college or whatnot, don't do any of that stuff because right. that's not in your contract, whatever, right? But, you know, it's not going to be a surprise to you that I think this is actually just a movement for losers, right? This is just basically bad workers <laughs> united. <laughs> like, this is just like all the worst people you don't want to work with in the workplace forming a movement oh, saying, you know what, I want to. I, I want to work two days a week and I don't I want to get paid everything and I want four days above or whatever. But really what it is, before we get to that part, it's a rejection of hustle culture is what it is. Mm-hmm. So hustle culture is being is being de- denigrated, like all the Gary V, the productivity lifestyle, Shout out to Gary. the, the, the Gary atomic v. habits, all, the, you know, Gary V, atomic habits, productivity culture, people who do productivity stuff. It's a rejection of all of that. To say all of that is just a hustle of capitalism that's making people mm-hmm. want to do more. And Charles, you had this thing where you would say, "What's the thing you say about like work your nine to five? Yeah, and then work. 
Yeah, so, so talk, your, 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 your so defend hustle culture. Defend hustle culture. Please. I mean, I don't know if I gotta defend it, and I would def- I'll defend Gary first because Gary did look out and, for and me. And say who is Gary? Gary, v, Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk is a, a very popular uh, ad man. A lot of commercials you see on TV is done by Gary V's organization, but he came up around a time that uh, Facebook and all, they all like know each other. But he, he talks about people that, when people ask him uh, what they can do, he tells them stuff and then it's turned into hustle culture. But the first thing Gary says is if you're good with your job, if you're good with where you are, if you're happy, then you don't, don't do none of this stuff. But if you're saying you're unhappy, Here's some things you can do. So I want to defend homie there. I think, I think here's the thing. I was looking at this, not necessarily in the education sense, but just like, okay, I'm going to work. I'm, I'm on, I'm, it's really the duties as a sign thing that people kind of got an issue with. And it, when I say hustle culture, my thing has always been, look, your nine to five pays your bills, right? Like I grew up homeless. So I ain't got to be fully in love with my nine to five. But in my five to nine is where I invested my I invested in myself is where I would I wrote my company and on little napkins and and trained myself and taught myself the Internet and taught myself how to use video cameras and stuff. And I invested in myself. Now, here's the thing. I actually am OK with a lot of people feeling like this on this quiet quitting thing, because for people like me, we're going to win. Like if you want to just stop mm-hmm. at the bare minimum, say it. I think that's cool. Like, if, mm-hmm. listen, if you happy with where you are and you want to leave it at the job, hey man, God bless you. But again, from how I grew up, from what my circumstances were, I was like, that I'm I'm good off of that. But I was always the person that when the boss said, hey, you can talk to me about anything, I was the one that stepped into that office and tried to talk about what my future needed to be, where I needed to improve. Like I, you know, I understood that I was working under somebody else's like organization and I was in control of my output. You know what I mean? So I wanted to learn every aspect of those jobs, take a piece of it and build my own. And I did. So, I mean, what other people do, what other adults do, Chris, that's them other adults business. I, I try not to. <laughs> I, the, one, the, the, the fastest way you can kill yourself in this country is being concerned with uh, what, what other free grown people are doing. What right. you need to figure out is how is it going to affect you and how can you insulate yourself in that? So when we talk about it from an education standpoint, I got some different thoughts. But the general Gen Z-ness of it all, hey, man, if, if I'm going to just say this. I, I know I'm going a little long, uh, Ray, but I'll stop after this. I, I'll give you an example. Ben Ben Simmons and and, and Kyrie Irving. You feel why me? Why always come back to Ben? What's wrong with Ben? I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> because Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving, the NBA has one of the best structures of who gets paid. The NFL does not have – Guarantee money the way the NBA does. So you got these two people that decide to sit out. You got these two people that decide to, you know, say, I got a family emergency, but then Kyrie was in the club that night, right? You can do all that stuff, but guess what? Collective bargaining is coming up, and there are reactions and there are consequences <laughs> to these type of things. So it's going to be real interesting. If you think that this stuff is just going to go unchecked and, like, these bosses and these people running these companies ain't going to have a reaction, you wildin'. Shit is going to change, and contracts are going to be – you know they're gonna be they're gonna be written up differently. So God bless and God speed. But hey, I don't have no issue with your right to do it. And if if you just don't have a job later on, then hey man, that, that's between you and that boss. Mm. Reef, jump in here, man, because you initially thought it was something else. So tell the folks what you thought it was, and and then answer the question. Yeah, I mean, I thought initially quiet quitting was folks who quit and don't put in like you know kind of what you uh, talk about every year is like yo, hey teachers, don't quit a week before school's supposed to start and kids are showing up, right? So that's what I thought was like, mm-hmm. not giving notice, not thinking about 
you know, your colleagues or, or the children that are supposed to be serving, particularly in the educational system. So that's what I thought it was initially, like just kind of quitting and sneaking out the back door. But then when I read it's like, when, and I saw two variances, right? Like some of it is like literally quitting on the job and just not, you know, not <laughs> right. <laughs> like I quit, but I'm here. Like kind of lame duck politician stuff, right? Like, oh, <laughs> I'm I'm leaving in a year or two years, and I can't be reelected, so I'm just going to sit here and take up a spot. I'm gonna just be a blob. Um, and then I saw others that were talking, yeah, blah, just like, I'm just blah, 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 I'm not working out, you know? Um, and then I saw other explanations about like, Hey, you know what? Like they're, they're trying to overwork us. They undervalue us. They don't respect us. And they're trying to get us to do over and beyond. Um, I would say it's not new, even though it's like this sophisticated name for it right now. You know, I think they're always labeling stuff, you know, back then it varied from lazy to, you know, kind of work life cycle, you know, whatever it was. But I, I remember, I remember the union lead at the school when I was teaching, I used to have lunch with my kids. So that's above and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. The contract or whatever, but I enjoyed it. Like that was my thing. They would actually say like, Hey, which could, you know, I have four or five different groups of kids and each day I would eat lunch. I would just bring my lunch down and just, you know, chop it up with them at the, you know, in the lunchroom. And I remember the union person giving me grief, telling me not to do that because then they're going to expect everybody. To do. I'm like, they're not going to expect everybody to do this. This is something that I want to do. And it was, she was like putting so much pressure on me to not do it. And I just I just never understood that. Right. And to me, that's like very similar. The same thing. They didn't call it. They didn't have a name. Everything got a name now. Every name changes and all this <laughs> kind of stuff. Um, and then I remember this other boy. He was. He was the gym teacher. He would just throw out jump ropes and basketballs. We had this beautiful gym. We had a swimming pool. He would throw out basketballs and, and, and uh, jump ropes. And then one day I was just like, yo, and I'm still a teacher, mind you. I'm like, yo, man, like you, you have this amazing opportunity, like, you know, the standards and health and PE. Blah, blah. He was like, don't make it. I'm retiring in four years. You're trying to get me to work. That's the exact quote, bro. So that's the <laughs> same thing. Same thing. Like, I'm going to retire in four years and you're trying to get me to work. And I was just like dumbfounded because I was naive. Mm -hmm. I thought everybody like just was had this passion and purpose the way I did. So I was just like, I was stuck on stupid. I couldn't believe he said that. But that was yeah. his philosophy, right? And so isn't that's it's not new. It's and really I get new. the nuance of it. There's a lot of oppressive, you know, almost regimes in the workplaces too, who don't respect their, you know, the the team that actually is carrying the stuff. So there's some yeah, nuance I, I think there too. I think that's important to, to, to name, and I, I think it's important to name the nuance. Thank you for doing that. And so, Chris and, and, and Reef and, and, and Charles, you guys all run your own businesses. So you have employees or, or, or 1099s or whoever you have, right? You got folks mm -hmm. reporting to you. And so I guess my question to you is, if you have somebody that's quiet quitting uh, on the job, what does that mean for the promotion track? Like, how, how, how does that work? <laughs> 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 how, how, how does that work in terms of, like, upward trajectory? Like, what, what's happening? Like, <laughs> Let me first say this. Let me say this. I was not I expecting that question. <laughs> me either. It's like a crazy question. Like, you know, you know, with all this uh, loser culture and stuff, how's somebody going to win? You know? Um, <laughs> This, this is one thing. First of all, we have made the worker and the employee noble in all cases. We, have, we talk about workers as if they are blameless and exploited and the oppressed constantly. But what we don't ever do is talk to managers, 
shift leaders, people who have to pick up other people's shifts when they call in five minutes mm-hmm. before they're supposed to be there high. Oh, yeah, I was supposed to come in today, but I'm high. You know, so talk to retail managers, talk to uh, fast food managers, talk to any group of managers, and you will see that their stories aren't being told. Like the story of the employer is not being told. And we have made workers noble as hell. Like they just perfect. Oh my God, they just deserve everything, right? Like, and, and you know, we, we didn't beat up Amazon and we beat up Starbucks and we'll beat up, everybody just needs a union, right? So that, so that pe- the employees the next day can go on strike and ruin the business and kill everything because they don't want work, right? Now, I'm just going to say things tonight that people don't want to say. A lot of y'all are not good. Y'all, a lot of y'all not good employees, right? We talk about five fifteen, five for fight for fifteen, fight for fifteen. Some of y'all ain't fifteen dollar people, right? Don't do I'm that. just sorry. <laughs> some of you just, don't do that. I'm just don't gonna put it in there, right? And everybody you know what? Some of y'all deserves to live. Everybody deserves to live, but not everybody deserves to live on somebody else's. Listen, when you don't show up for work, now, now I, what Charles said to me struck me. As, as like resonant in this one way. Because when I was an employee myself in food service, the way that I moved yeah. up constantly was taking lazy people's shifts. Mm-hmm. I literally mm-hmm. would tell other people, before you call in, call me first and let me know mm-hmm. that you're telling them that you're going to call in so that I could be ready for that shift, whatever shift it was. Now, because I would show up for any shift anytime, uh, I got... You asked about the promotion track, Ray, right? Like, yeah, it yeah. wasn't a big promotion, three forty-five to five dollars, right? Like five dollars to five fifty, whatever. But I be, I learned that if you are that hustler, there are a lot of losers on the job. So just eat the losers' lunch constantly, and that's all you got to do, right? But now what we're doing is unionizing the losers, and they're ruining the whole business. Ask shift leaders, ask managers, ask employers. Employees are asking for some downright stupid, stupid things. It's ruining schools. It's, it's ruining charter schools. It's ruining advocacy organizations. It's ruining nonprofits. It's ruining whole ass restaurant chains. There are places where you go to three different Chipotle and have like blue, black guacamole with a 14 year old standing behind there with trash all over the place, stuff all messed up, whatnot. Civilization is falling. I don't mean to be dramatic. I don't mean to be dramatic. But bad workers are killing America. You killing everything. I can't even get a burrito made the right way anymore. Folding it all the wrong direction. <laughs> having it pop open in the middle. What's wrong with y'all? Right? I asked for extra guac and you put a little thimble on top. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? This, you gotta I, make change. All hell breaks loose. Anyways, get off my line. I knew this was gonna. I knew this was gonna happen. I knew it was Bad gonna happen. Started and super and, early, right? Hey, and I'm and I'm excited about it. It it, it, it started before forty minutes, so I'm good. <laughs> so so reef reef. Uh, what trajectory for you, man? How you how are you coaching these people out? Uh, how are you firing them loudly if this happens on on your watch? I mean, you know what. I don't even know if it's firing. I think it really depends on like what's happening, right? Like if they're, I can totally respect, um, you know, people trying to figure out, okay, I, I need to have a buffer. I need to have a, a balance, some type of cycle in my life, right? Like I, as a principal, I used to get like really anxious about work-life balance because some of these 21 year olds used to literally think, well, I work at nine hours. That means I need to rest nine hours. I'm like, that's not how life is. You know what I mean? Like they literally, and I was just like, that's not, that's not the, that's not reality. You know, I was like, it's, it's really like trying to find your rhythm and finding something that you enjoy every single day 
and to doing and you're making spaces. But I remember when I remember one time we had people. It was very few folks in this school that had families, you know, and I was one of them. I had a bunch of kids. Right. Like and and I, I get, you know, fatherhood, motherhood, blah, 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 you know, all the all the things. Um, but there were some women who were saying, like, well, I don't know if I can do this job and have a family. And I was just like. People have done it for like, what do you mean? Like, of course you can. I was like, when you have a child, you will, you will rearrange, you can't think about it because you don't have one. So you're not in that reality. But they were literally thinking like, oh, I can't do, I can't do this without, with a family. Then they started seeing like, oh, I actually can. And I readjust. I, I, you know, I might not take on as much leadership, but I've, because we're a community, I've developed somebody else to do the leadership. Right. And I remember when I was coming up, they used to, you know, my, uh, you know, coaches and so they were like hey i'll throw the football as far as as you like you know there's always opportunities particularly if you're in education or that type of service there's never enough funding to get everything done and you know your kids deserve more so you could say like well i ain't doing that da, da. but we always i don't know it just always felt like if you were serving communities and children you were going to do some extra stuff that wasn't necessarily lined out and often the beautiful part if people have passion and purpose it wasn't me telling them they were creating it. Sometimes I had to tell folks like, you know, they were coming up with the ideas like, you know what, this will serve the children better if I do this. But that was the same thing. I was, I was taking kids to football games on Saturdays because I just wanted to do it. I love the kids being exposed and having opportunity and having the buses and taking them up to the temple to watch Miami back in the day, come up and play like that was to me. It was part of my passion and purpose. And I get if people don't want to do that, because that was a Saturday. And I, I didn't even think about it as like, oh, this is extra and the bosses and all of that. I wasn't that was that never even crossed my mind. Um, and so I would just say, like, people have to, you know, do what they feel is best for them, their health, their family, their situations. Um, but having this whole thing like, yeah, we're going to do this as a, I, I, I just don't get that. I, th- I think too many people are sheep. First of all, they, they just follow each other all the time. It's annoying. Like, I, I, like it just seemed like people become more and more, you know, uh, recruited into sheepdom. And that that's the piece that I just like. It's Ooh. annoying. Like, yo, be it. Be, like, you know, just yeah. I, I don't hey, know. Charles, that part is annoying. Charles, uh, before we pivot into K-12, anything that they said resonated for you? Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I mean, I would just say on this, I mean, I think it's, it's one of them right versus real conversations again. We all know what the right thing to say is. I actually appreciate Chris being honest and speaking his truth on it. I think that, like, I have to agree with every part of it, but I think career matters, right? Like, listen, if we're talking about you, you, you count tickets at the A's game and you, you know what I'm saying, you just like, all right, whatever, I, you know, I'm, I'm this all I'm going to do and I'm going to go home, then God bless you. But if you're a surgeon... You can't be in the middle of a 10-hour surgery and be like, well, time is up in this thing. I'm about to peace <laughs> yeah. out. Like, I think context matters. And I also think somebody's put this in there about good workers versus poor workers. Let's be very and, – and I mean poor as bad workers, not like poor financially. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I, I promise you if you are one of the best employees, if you are really good at your job and what you're doing, you go to your boss and be like, man, I'm just a little stressed. I'm a little this. I'm that. I promise you a good boss is going to be like, well, let's figure that out. Let's kind of, you want to go work out more? You want to go do this? Like, like they'll build that in. I think one of the reasons why this caused so much fire is there's a lot of people that are really bad at their job and don't want to work. Like both of them things can't be happening. And, 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 and so, like you can't be both. And so as somebody who runs a business, I love 1099s. I love them because here's the thing. When I pay somebody a salary, I don't hear nobody complaining when it's quiet time, when it's a slow time and you ain't doing as much work. 
And then sometimes we got to get a report in. We got to get a, we got to get a grant in. And sometimes we got to we writing that thing till eleven o'clock, right? Mm-hmm. If you if you're not giving me money back when I'm letting you go at five, you know what I'm saying? Like after working four or five hours, then you got to take the good with the bad in that. But listen, again, people are grown. If that's the decision that you're gonna make, make it. Do what you need to do. To like, you don't have to make these big proclamations of I'm doing this thing. Just do it. Just do it. Like because like like Sharif said, a lot of people are sheeps and they looking for support. They looking for this subculture thing so they can feel like you know good about doing it. But hey man, I've lived in shelters before. You can have fun with that if you want. I'm good. So yeah, I guess I guess kind of the part. part. Yeah, thank you for adding that, bro. I appreciate that. All right, so I think what resonated for me, well, Charles, when you said right versus real, right? And so I'm thinking about COVID and how COVID may have like exasperated like a, a, a lot of this, the, the stuff that we're talking about now. Because when you made this pivot, when we when folks made this pivot to being able to work from home, right? It's like, you know, there are a lot of things that you do or a lot of comforts that you have from working from home that you don't necessarily have in terms of like going into the office, right? You don't have that commute. You don't have, you know, you, you're not dealing with your colleagues day to day. In that sense, you, you, you know, it's a, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of comfort that you have mm-hmm. from working mm-hmm. from your own house. Right. And so now that these companies are starting to ask people to come back into into work, you're starting to get this whole like, you know, quiet quitting piece or whatever. Right. And so, you know, I, I think more stuff, more things will come out. Right. But uh, let me pivot this to uh, to K-12. And so and thinking about this from from the aspect of K-12. Right. It's so, so I think about black and brown kids as what I think about is my passion. It's what I'm passionate about. Right. And so, you know, a, a, a lot of our neighborhoods in the inner city are historically marginalized. Uh, they're not really a good outcomes in terms of like thinking about it educationally. Uh, when you think about the, the, the folks that get that, that get teaching jobs in the inner city, they're usually uh, newer teachers, not the veteran teachers. Um, and they're usually folks that really don't want to be in the inner city teaching, right? Uh, I, I won't say that as a writ large, but I, I will say that based off of my lived experience, that um, the, the the opportunities that folks, the, the first opportunity that folks have to leave those inner city jobs, they do, right? And, and go into the suburbs, right? And so when I think about unions and I think about teachers unions from being in Baltimore City Public Schools, being a union rep, I feel like it's, it's ordained for folks to, to, to quiet quit. Right. It's like, yo, you're taught just like Reef was saying, like you're taught, like you do what's in your contract. You don't do anything above and beyond uh, from what's in your contract or whatever, because if you do, then you're making your colleagues look bad. You're making other union members look bad, you know, so that's not what we're here for. But I, I can never swallow that pill because I know that I was there for the kids. Right. So like if I'm there for the kids and I'm gonna do whatever I can, whenever I can, to make sure that those kids have what they need. I think that teaching is a calling and and so not calling on the contract is, is not the calling right and so just wanted to get y'all thoughts in terms of like you know <clears throat> education in the inner city and, and folks having to go above and beyond what are y'all thoughts i mean i i would just say like you know again it's a it's a balance right like i i don't think i don't think people's passion should be taken advantage of like i i'm like really adamant about that too so just go, just the same way i come hard i also see like you know, like, yo, these conditions, these work. And I'm not talking about like, you know, like, oh, the state budget. So how does it hit the school? No, I'm talking about you as a principal, you as a school leadership team, you as a grade or content team lead. There are things you could do differently. You had from the central office. There are things that you can do differently to make sure that people are respected. Right. Like you can't respect kids if you can't respect those who are closest in proximity to the kids. Right. Because that doesn't make sense. Like we have too many people who are. And, you know, far away from kids, like, yeah, I love the kids. I'm here for the kids. And 
then how do you skip over the ones who are serving the kids directly, both with accountability and support? How do you do that? Right. And it comes in a lot of different a lot of different ways. So that, that's my thing is like you have to as a as a leader, as a aspiring leader, you have to make sure that the servant leadership ain't just about the teacher and the student. Right. Because a lot of time we talk about servant leadership, we're talking about, oh, the teacher. Like, like, no, whoever is supervising, supporting the teacher should also have a servant leadership orientation. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes like that gets, you know, removed from the equation. Um, and it's all about like, what's the teacher specifically doing, which is important, but so is, you know, second most important, uh, you know, or impactful according to data and research after the teacher inside a school is the principal. Right. And if they can't realize that because it's their impact on the teachers, if they can't realize that, then it's going to be chaos. And you're going to have people who are forming resentment because we, we often talk about school culture. Right. School culture ain't just about like what kids are doing It's 90 percent what the adults are doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think um, I think this K-12 piece is really interesting because if for this conversation, a few things like one, I don't think we want to be teaching our kids to do the minimum. I, d- I think we do. Like when I hear Charles say, like, you know, uh, I grew up in shelters and that this Charles knows my story, too. We all know a little bit of each other's story. If there wasn't some a, a bit of us about striving and about not wanting to stay where we were at, wanting to move on to the next thing, then we would have gotten stuck at some point. Right. Like so this this do the bare minimum thing would have never served us well. So I don't want to teach our kids that, first of all, just just get rid of that as an idea. Let let indulgent, privileged people teach their kids that this is okay, knowing that they have all the privilege in the world to fall back on. And honestly, that's a lot of who this is, to be very honest with you. I'm making jokes about this being like, you know, food workers and whatnot, but this is very much a middle-class thing. I just want to be very real about it. Lots of people with a lot of privilege doing this, and it's because they know they can fall back on something, right? They got the tattoos and the nose rings and the little stuff going on in their affect and whatnot and the quiet quitting and blah, blah, blah. It's all cool. It's all sweet and beautiful, but they know they got some privilege to fall back on, right? So I would never want to teach our kids this, that. That's the first thing. Second thing, I want to challenge you, Raymond, on something yeah. that you said with your anti-teacher ass. So listen, um, <laughs> I, just, I just want to be clear about the fact that I don't agree that all the teachers in in uh, in urban settings and urban districts, first of all, are new because it's, it's just not true. A lot of those teachers, there's high seniority in a lot of urban districts and a lot of the new teachers go to charter schools. A lot of the, the young teachers- Where are the charter schools, Chris? Where are the charter schools? Whole, you have whole ass charter schools that are filled with the new teachers. And sometimes those are good new, new, like, you know, Sprite and Energetic. Sometimes they're the ones that are going to be quiet quitting, trying to unionize a charter school three weeks later. Meanwhile, in, in districts like <laughs> Chicago and other places, you do have a lot of teachers in urban districts that can teach their asses off, mm. right? Old veteran, black teachers, white teachers, whatever, been around for a minute in Philly, in Chicago, in Baltimore, whatever. And they can teach circles around some of the suburban teachers where, you know, you don't moved your family out to the suburbs thinking Jerome's going to get a better deal out there. And well, I got to be Jerome. <laughs> it just came to mind, bro. It just came to mind. I don't know what it is, but but I'm just saying I just wanted to challenge that. Like Thanks. they oh. have they haven't quit yet. They are still showing up in some gritty circumstances for 30, 40 years teaching your heathens. But I just want to be real with you. Everybody else has quietly quit. That's where we turn this on its head. You look at a school like that where you do have some veteran educators teaching kids every day who can get the job done, but they're on their own. 
Uh, that principal and those teachers, the mayor has quietly quit. Their senators have quietly quit. Their governors have quietly quit on being responsible for them in their schools and being responsible for making sure they have everything that they need. And in some cases they need more and everybody has quietly quit for getting them the more that they need, including some of the parents. See, we got this job, we keep making everybody noble. All the workers are noble. All the underclass is noble. Everybody in the hood is noble. Just being poor makes you noble. Just being a parent makes you noble. Man, listen, sometimes that educator in the front of the room is the only one who hasn't quietly quit mm. on some of these kids. And everybody else, from the president on down to a parent, has quietly quit on that kid. Right. Absolutely. Put especially it, uh, if you're talking about K-12, if, especially if you're talking about, think about the black male teachers in these schools and they just constantly get the black the, the black kids that's having behavior issues sent to their classroom, right? Like, I like this is stuff that this ain't speculation. This is stuff I saw in the district. I saw a bunch of folks that wasn't that was doing the bare minimum and and kind of getting by or setting up certain educators to fail and they felt overwhelmed and then you know they didn't get the numbers that they needed and they ended up getting pushed out. But I mean, again, when we talk about K twelve, listen, we can't. We, I can't control what adults do. I do think that the type of standard that you set from the offset is important. And a lot of schools, when you look in a school, does that school have standards? Does that district have standards? Because here's the thing. Go to DHL. And if you're supposed to make X amount of deliveries in X amount of time and you miss those deliveries every, over two week period, you out of that thing. You know what I'm saying? I think this is what's going to happen. There's going to be one of those repercussions that I think people not 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 really thinking about. You're going to start seeing time audits, yo. How long did it take you to do that thing? How long should it take you to do that thing? If I hire somebody and you charging me per hour, and then you only did this thing that I know it only take three hours, but you you it's you said it took you twenty. Hmm. Guess what? You're not getting re up, Joe. And and I mean, you could say that like it's capitalism and this that, and the third. There there might be some truth in all that. I think it's a case by case thing. I was just but about it, to yell capitalism. Yeah, <laughs> but if it's but in case, but but here's the thing for K twelve. If you got a kid in that system, you need to go and do an inventory and see what's going on and have an understanding of. You can you can look in the schools and see what schools got a high standard for themselves and which ones don't. This is where I'm talking to parents and people that love these kids or whatnot, and some of our older students. You got to know what you're working with, <laughs> and if that's what you're working with, I'm just telling you, I can't control what that adult does, but you got some control over what you do in your house. You got some control over the after-school programs you put your kids in. I'm not talking about what's right. Because we're going to live in la-la land. I'm talking about survival for you, though, and making sure your kids get the quality that they need. Because this quiet quitting shit might be popular now. That shit been happening in education. Like, right to rule has been a thing. I feel like that. I feel like I, I, feel like I said that. <laughs> but thank you for... Oh, look, I, I just want to... Just think with that DHL, John. What'd you say? Go ahead, Reef. No, I was just saying, sticking with that DHL, John... Don't come time audit me if I got to keep changing the tire because you ain't never want to get this on truck inspected and taken <laughs> care go. of, right? Like, don't don't come and then like, oh, how long? And why didn't? And then just like, yo, bro, why stop skimping and get this on truck fixed so I can get, you know, make an efficient delivery, right? And so let's not, again, I just want to, <clears throat> every time we talk, I want to dovetail it with some of this just ridiculousness that goes on. From, you know, because, every you know, and I agree with Chris, every, you know, no group of people just automatically should assume the mantle of nobility. Um, and I, I think that's also goes for for manager. Like how many people do we know that are just incompetent in their managerial skills, in their leadership skills? And it's just an assumption that everybody is just going to 
Look, it's more whatever that boy's name off the the office. It's more boys like that. Uh, that uh, Michael Scott. You know, boss Michael Scott. It's more Michael Scotts out there than we like to to imagine. I think that's probably a, you know I don't even want to say a percentage, but it's a significant number of folks. But you know what, y'all problem in education is the same problem that police officers have and a lot of professions have. Don't do it. Y'all, I'm educator too. Our. I'm a lay educator. I'm a lay educator, right? And and here's the thing. I feel like good workers are terribly uh, scared of calling out bad workers. And I think yeah. great teachers, yeah. great teachers, hate, they, hate to, they hate to admit that there's such thing as colleagues that aren't doing their work. They say stuff like teachers just, and then they fill in the blank with something positive, meaning all teachers want this positive thing. Some, if you're, if you're the son of a police officer, you might do the same with police officers. Well, listen, police officers just have a tough job and they just want to blah, blah, blah. No one is willing to admit and call out the fact that in their midst, there are people that quit their jobs years ago, but keep showing up, right? So there is an educator tomorrow who's going into class to do, to do her business or his business right next to some other folks who they know for a fact are not really like shouldn't be in that classroom, shouldn't be doing that thing. Same thing with the police officer. There are judges that know this about other judges or whatnot. When you don't, <laughs> social you, workers, social workers, like go nonprofit leaders, right? Yeah. Like we could do a whole show on nonprofit leaders and workers. Yep, Y'all could do that. And, and, and I, I just want to do a out. commercial right now, commercial for <laughs> a lot of y'all in nonprofits with your, your juicy uh, your, your, your juicy uh, bottom uh, uh, Jesus, he needs sweat, 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 Take that to take that to for-profit land and see what happens to your ass real quick, right? And as a nonprofit leader, I can talk about nonprofit leaders, right, who have a great PowerPoint and they send their funders amazing reports and PowerPoints, but the work is crap, right? Like it's crap. And 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 I just want to be real with you. We don't do this. We don't call each other to a standard, right? Chris, I think, yeah, I think you make a good point. And there's research out there that shows the thing that zaps high performing teachers like motivation energy the most is the lack of accountability for that person next door to them that they know that they actually cringe when they when it's time to uh switch and their kids have to go to someone or worse when their kids are coming from someone you know like and just as parents get anxiety about who's teaching my kid this fall guess what it's a whole lot of teachers who are also like yo they're coming from so and so's class. Like, man, that's that's I'm gonna have to I'm I'm literally game planning exactly for to mitigate Ooh. what I know with certainty, what I witnessed, what I saw, you know, um yeah. next door to me or down yeah. the floor, what I had to pass, yeah. right? Like that that is and yeah. it and I think yeah. that again it goes back to leadership, yeah. right? Because ignoring that yeah. and just pretending because it's not just teachers who may say something, it's a whole lot of scared administrators who don't call things out. Won't yeah. coach out, won't coach up, won't do anything. It's just mm -hmm. like, as you said, you know, a nonprofit. Hey, sometimes they can't, though, Sharif. Sometimes they can't. I, I can't had, what? Can't say? I, I, can't I, say? I had, yes, there, there are. They there should are, get out. There's they been rules in Oakland before that has prevented 
the way that a, that a Since principal. Since when everybody want to follow I'm rules. just telling like, you, man, listen, I, I've, I've been with principals. Jamoke can attest to this, where they had to train parents how to properly complain so that they could actually uh, discipline mm. their educators. Yes, you're talking about like going through this. Yes, there are some things where one arm is shackled to the opposite foot. That ain't shackled to your daggone lips. Open there your you daggone mouth and say something. And and if you get slapped on the wrist, it was for kids. So what? There you go. Don't. There you go. I, I agree with. You. I don't disagree with yeah. you. I, I agree with I, you. Like I, yeah, I, you can't necessarily fire someone. And a lot of you know, depending on what the collective bargaining agreement is, but that should and you should still be able to fix your lips to say absolutely this ain't right. Yeah, but I, I my, my my bringing bringing the conversation back because I don't know where Chris just went. <laughs> I thought that was all very relevant. <laughs> That's not where that's Chris is out here choosing violence. He's been choosing violence ever since he came on air. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Why it's about me. First of all, let me just say this. I agree with what Charles was just saying that the rules are set up in a way that actually mitigates. Like, like, like not everybody is super courageous. Let's just put that Mm -hmm. way. So you do want to set up a system so the least courageous people still can have a voice when they see something that's wrong, right? And if the rules make it burdensome, only your barn burners are going to be the ones jumping out front saying things a lot of times. And they're going to leave the system. Your barn burners are going to be the first one. The ones who are the most kind of like whatever, those are going to be the first to go. I'm just, and listen, I'm not picking on any one profession. I think I'm naming all of them. Uh, um, I'm naming this as a thing. People are uncomfortable Good workers in any field are are not prone to call out bad workers because they think it makes their field look bad, whether that's teaching or nonprofits or whatever. You, you pick a field, right? They just don't want to demean the field that way. But when you're talking about service to people, like to children, to families, like Charles mentioned, social workers, whatever, all these systems that our people are in, you have to be willing to call out when people are falling short. Mm-hmm. Like when they have quit, they're collecting that check, but they keep coming every day and lives are on the line. Yeah. Chris, I just want to give it, and I agree with you and I agree with what Cole said. I just want to give another example though, where sometimes it's not the system. So in Philly, you know, this was years ago. They had, they had an opportunity to, there was a, a, a loophole or something. Something was going on with the contract where principals were able to not do LIFO, last in, first out. Mm-hmm. They were actually able to keep the best teachers, even if that was a junior mm. teacher. Right. Mm. And guess what? Less than 10 percent actually did it. And then someone gave me the number one time. It was like such a ridiculous. I was, I was like, no, you can't be right. Like there was such a small number of principals that actually did it. So even when the system was like, OK, people complain about, you know, life. Oh, I wanted to keep that person. All right. Here's the situation like. Uh, I, I'm not going to do it. So it wasn't the system. It was actually fear. Because they were like, well, how am I going to lead next year if people are mad at me? It's just like, yo, like... That's, that's the pool, Sharif. That's the pool. They got the freedom. They got the freedom, and then they figured out that the pool was dirty. Bro, they, they, there wasn't as that. many stars as they thought they were in the pool. <laughs> oh, there's if a you gave me the to freedom that. to hire... Go ahead, go ahead, Ray. Right. All I know is across three schools, always we just always found top talent who were there, who were dedicated, who were amazing. Not to say 100 yeah. percent, but like that was the culture, yeah. like culture of Ooh. achievement, culture of collective work responsibility and accountability. Mm. Like there's just no excuse not to mm. not to create that type of environment or at least strive like do just do something. 
Don't be a blob. Yeah. Do something. So as a as a as a as a as a born burner, <laughs> as someone that came in to uh to, to do a school turnaround and someone that uh you know had, had to you know find the best other job in the world help help other people find other places to be that were not necessarily in the interest of black and brown kids. Um there's it, a lot of stress and strife that comes with that. Uh you gotta be built for that in terms of like coming with the, uh, the backlash, right? Like we, we are together right now as a podcast because of some of the backlash that I received with regards to making those decisions that were in the best interest of students, right? Mm-hmm. Like Chris mm-hmm. found me and, and we found mm-hmm. each other because of because of my willingness to, to burn the barn down, right? Mm-hmm. So, but not everybody's going to do that. And not everybody has a village that's committed to them, like how you guys are committed, how we're committed to each other in terms of making sure that we are standing uh, standing together in order to do what's right for kids, right? Now everybody wants to do what's right for for for, for students. Mm. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you on that, on that. I mean, it is. Yeah, we used to say, "Don't blink, don't blink." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but we got we got to stop the loser worker population situation from gaining strength. I'm sorry. If you <laughs> if you if you choosing a job that requires greatness, listen, man. If you choosing a job that requires greatness, and you. That's how you express yourself and say, I'm great at this. I want to be great. I love these people. I love this. I love that. Then sometimes that stuff can't be contained to nine to five. Now, if you're doing something and, and somebody might argue that they need to be great in this, but let's say McDonald's and you flipping burgers, but it's like operationalized and like somebody else can step in and do it again. I'm sure there's some great people that do it, but like, okay, you don't have to do that. But if, if when I was a social worker and like that week that you was on call, you got to be on call all week. You can't drink that week. Cause you might get a call at 1am. Mm-hmm. If you can't, mm-hmm. You you can't just be like, well, I ain't doing it. Go back to I can't drink. Like, right. Well, you can't. Well, so you gotta have a pager on you and you can't have no right. alcohol. Like, you know what I'm saying? If the pager go off, like, but again, like if you but if you're dealing with a, a, a baby that needs to be taken from somewhere and safety and things like that, we're it, again, it depends on career and it depends on greatness. If that's what you if, if that's what the job requires. And again, man, mm-hmm. if that's not what you want to do as an adult, as a full red-blooded adult with autonomy and agency. You can go find some other things to do. But here's the reason why this is an issue. And we saying, let's say the quiet thing out loud, because a lot of times nonprofit stuff or certain type of school environments are easier to work at because we don't actually require a lot from you. Because when we try to hold you accountable, we can get the Internet to go against you and call you fascist and all that when they ain't got no type of they don't know what's happening. And guess what? As a boss, you can't never talk about what happened. You will get sued. Absolutely not. They can right. say whatever We're they want to say. You get what I'm saying? And, and, and again, you if you absolutely work with true. me and for me, you don't have to love my organization the way I love it because I built it with blood and sweat or whatever. But you do have to have a modicum of respect for what we're doing. And if you don't, then I have to figure out a way to get you up out of here. And guess what? But I have insurance. So if you sue me, then we just going to have to let the legal play out the way it's going to play out. I, I, I mean, but that... That's the real conversation, man. If that if you don't want a job that where it requires some extra of you at times, mm-hmm. yeah. like then you need to do something else. But if you're so, gonna be this loud, I'm I, I just wanna get this last part off, right? If you're gonna get if you're gonna be this loud when you are uncomfortable, then when when you make an organization uncomfortable, get some money back. When you get that that month vacation, when they make up a day to get, let you off, when they give you all these other things, or or it ain't that much work, but we paying you for the whole day, or we taking you on vacation, be like, no, 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 I didn't deserve this, right? Like that's not how it goes, and we only talk about one side of that. Yeah. So I I think another twist to this conversation, right, to add a little bit more nuance to it, and, and I'm gonna shout out one of one of our listeners Yay, right now. Hey, nuance, Keisha, I love it, Keisha Lamb. Uh, she kind of pushed me on this when 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 I was talking about it on LinkedIn, and so um, 
we're talking about like minoritized women, right? And like mm. the trauma that they may feel being in uh being in work environments that are majority white, right? Or not even just minoritized minor, minoritized people, period, right? Being in an environment where like mainly white folks or whatever, and the trauma that's associated with that, right? And so quiet quitting being like a safety net in terms of like, you know, not killing yourself at these jobs that don't give a shit about you. Like, what's our thoughts on that? Is there anything different in terms of like how we're thinking or like, is that, is that the same thing that we're talking about? I mean, I'll just I mean, say, I do agree with you on the, on the point, you know, um, it's one of the things I just jotted down. You know, I think sometimes these organizations, they know that we have this thing like we, that they know that we know that we have to work twice as hard to get half as far. And they're like, yeah, we're going to keep engineering it that way. Right. And at what point do we say, like, you know what, we're not going to anymore. And can you do it? Right. Because back to that, do I actually have the ability to maintain, take care of my family and not work twice as hard to get as half as far? Right. Because then they'll be like, oh, yeah, you got to go because you're not when it's really I'm already working double the amount of the people that look like you, Mm -hmm. the people that you have relationship with, the people you hanging out at the bar with, the people that you're actually inviting to your cookout. I'm already doing all that extra. But as soon as I say, you know what, I got to pull back. Then you're like, you know, then it's the troops. Oh, look, look at the lazy, uh, you know, a uh, person of color. Look at the lazy woman. Right. Like, so I, I do think that's that's not even just nuance. This is like a, a really hard, cold reality that is part of this whole, you know, conversation. So 100 percent. I, I agree. I forget who you said, um, said that. Keisha uh, Lamb. Keisha, Keisha Lamb. Lamb. Yeah. So I, I agree. I agree. Well, I, yeah, feel I think like, they uh, know they know it, and they they keep trying to engineer it that way, maintain that engineering. Yeah, yeah, man. So, I mean, oh, go ahead, Chris. No, I was just gonna say, I, I like I have started three organizations. I'm on my 45th, 46th job in my life, of all the jobs I've had in my life. That's why uh, I count mine one day. A That's lot of those, awesome. you, you guys should add them up, and you should, yeah. you should ask yourself, what's the worst job you ever had? Oh, and what, and, and what was worse about it and whatever, you know, like think about how you did on that. But all my first jobs were worse jobs. Like my first jobs were worse jobs. I had a whole career in it. And then I had a career in mid jobs, mid leveling, like just like still it's crap, still crap, but just better than the other crap that I had had before. And, you know, when I eventually got into mission work, like work that I was passionate about, like waking mm-hmm. up every day, I knew the difference. Like the, the last bad job that I had versus the first job I had where I woke up every day enjoying, loving that I was helping people doing what I was doing. The, the psychic transition was huge. Like in that one year, I went from yeah, one yeah. person to another person and I was making half as much. I took a pay cut to take a job in social services, but I woke up every day with that pay cut. I woke up every day, though, happy as hell because I felt like. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Whatever. Passion and purpose. Yeah. And I went yeah. into a high burnout role. Like mm. people around me had a shelf life of about 16 months to, to two years. I thrived in that shit. And I loved it because right. I was coming from a different perspective. They were like, oh my God, I can't do with all mm-hmm. these people's problems, blah, blah, whatever. But as somebody who has started three startup organizations, who has has run nonprofits, I've taken a lot of chances on people. Like mm. I've hired people that other people won't hire. I've hired, I've given chances to my people often. Uh, I've invested lots of money. I've put lots of money in lots of people's pocket because that's part of my mission. As a leader and as a worker, that's one of my missions. And I have been burned at least 50% of the time in doing that, right? At least 50% of the time in my own people. And I mean, putting tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars in somebody's pocket and have them do nothing 
or have know, been complained possibly, right? And all this old, you know, the, the rules are oppressive. Everything's oppressive. Oppression, 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 right? As somebody who takes lots of chances on my people and gets burned regularly and doesn't get any credit for it, whatnot, and has dealt with every kind of quiet quitting, right? It's not always the work and it's not always the environment and it's not always the, the rules and it's not always oppression and it's not always all that stuff. So if we're going to say anything real tonight, if I'm going to say anything real tonight is the easiest thing I could have done tonight was come in here and say, workers got it bad. It's all oppression. Everything is a white supremacy. Everything is this, that, and the other. That, I would get, I'd get all kinds of applause for that. As somebody who has had to literally invest in people and hire people and train people and give people chances and opportunities that other people aren't giving them or whatnot, I can tell you that that's not the full story. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Charles, jump ahead. Then I'm going to answer that, Chris. That's where I was going to. I was going to say, man, you know, that there's some people whose job is to like shovel shit. Like that's that's their job. Like that's that is what's putting food on their kids plates. That is what's keeping them from being homeless. There are people's jobs whose job it is to to, to scoop up roadkill. Right. Like, I mean, listen, if you are in a privileged position to the point where you can make a choice to leave somewhere or go somewhere else, I then I think, one, we got to recognize the extreme privileged position that one is in. I'm not saying that there's not oppression because it's everywhere. I think we've all been in every moment of your life is not promising you a, a level of comfort. And, and there's going to be moments and times where things are going to be uncomfortable. And I just I, I can really remember my dad struggling with this and losing the job. And, and I but I remember the aftermath of that. Right. The aftermath was, well, rent didn't get made. Well, we got to go live with Auntie such and such. Well, him and Auntie such just got into arguments. So now we got to go here. And I, so part of me is if something is fulfilling those needs from that nine to five, sometimes you got to humble yourself. Like, and I say this not as somebody from necessarily a, a whole bunch of privilege, but that came from that, that worked a lot of menial jobs that like had to just put up with it. You know what I'm saying? But it, are, what you doing on the other side to kind of, you know, put yourself in a different position. I mean, there's right and wrong and I get it. You feel me? But like, I think that there's something happening in the air right now where everybody feels like they're supposed to be comfortable all the time. You couldn't pull this shit in Michigan in those damn in, in, in them car plants, man. But here's the thing. It's a market issue. If schools were a place where it was overcrowded, where it was so many people that wanted to be in that profession because we had such great schools, you couldn't be on that bullshit because somebody there ready to replace you. If, if, if there's 20 slots, but 500 applicants, quiet quitting is not a thing. And, and so we need to, we, I think the education sector needs to look at what nursing did. And I think that nursing and teachers were in a very similar position for a while. And they did some things to elevate that. You know what I mean? And now nursing programs are some of the hardest programs to get into. You know what I mean? And I know everybody don't want to hear that, but it's a market issue. Yeah. I, I, I think um, one of the things that most resonated for me uh, during this conversation was, Chris, uh, you're, you're uh, talking about how you've taken chances on our people, right? Like I've taken a lot of chances on our people, right? And I've been burned like, like to the point of embarrassment, like in terms of like, damn, how you come up in here and act like that? Right. Like, how do you come in here and you do that? Mm -hmm. Right. How do, mm -hmm. how do you come like and, and as the leader of an organization, I'm just like, damn, I, I'm left baffled by, by some of the choices that, that that our people make. It's not to say that other people don't make it, but it's magnified times 10 when you are a black leader running an organization and you got your people that look like you that 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 are behaving in that manner. But I will say this, even with that, I will still give a chance 
to uh to, to my folks, right? So like I'm I'm gonna keep getting burned. I, I'm gonna keep getting burned. I'm I'm, I'm you know, putting some butter on these burns, and I'm gonna keep giving chances to to, to black folks out here because I'm, I'm gonna find folks that are worthy of of being able to embrace that challenge and do what's in the best interest of kids. So if you are a black teacher and you're looking for a job, holla at me on Long Island. We'll get you out here. Let's I mean, I, I know I know this might be looked at as random, but I do want to tell people, you know, that whole idea of if you get burnt, you add butter to it. That is a bad decision. Like you're not cooking yourself. If you burn yourself, do not put butter on it. You know, I know that's like a old Hello. school thing. Don't Hello. do that. Don't do that. All right. Oh, yeah. so I, I just thought it was important to point that out. Y'all with your fancy what, shells. Out, of, out of all the things that you thought was important to point out, what, <laughs> this dude right here, yo, gotta love him. <laughs> hey, but this is you, important. Quincy? You Quincy? <laughs> this, this is important as, uh, like, if we are going to keep giving chances to our people, right? Like, yeah. what message do you have to them about this type of thing? Because uh, we are trying to help people grow and develop. People open doors for me when I didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. And the things that they taught me privately, like like I can remember a law firm that I worked in, a black attorney pulling me aside and saying, brother, there's some things in here that like, and then boom, after that, what that conversation turned into was some, some rules I needed to know, like some mm -hmm. things like, you know, the last two people did not last year. This is, so that type of thing, that behavior, right. that mentoring yeah. type of behavior, we're all committed to yeah. it. We're going to keep yeah. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, so, so what I had though in that situation was eagerness to get ahead so I listened and I did things like I'm like, oh, cool. Is that how this works? Like, is that the yeah. is it, show me the road to the bag and and you yeah. won't have to do anything other than that. Just show me the road to it. Right. So yeah. if we're going to keep doing that and we're committed to getting burned, at least, you know, a yeah. portion of the time, like, you know, because if it happens that way. But what can we tell people about mm -hmm. like, man, you are in competition with other folks when you come in here. You can't yeah. like this. This do the minimum shit. Like, let that be something for your privileged friends to do, right? But don't think that that's you. I don't want to teach my kids that that nonsense, right? Uh, yeah. I don't want to teach them to work on healthy boundaries. But, you know, there's all this, you know, some of this does start feeling generational. It starts feeling youngish in the mind. It starts feeling pampered. It starts feeling like over-jargoned. Like, like, you know, people just are writing too many books, too many think pieces. They have too much time sitting around to develop concepts and think about stuff from all these crazy, like, like grow up, grow up. Like, just because you burning incense and like, you know, putting Shia on your, your wings and sitting at home writing, writing all these yeah. books and all this type of stuff, nonsense. Stop it. Stop wild. it. Stop <laughs> it. There are people living real lives and trying to get real jobs, trying to do real things in life. And whatnot, you're not helping. You're not helping. Yeah. You know, you got them three letters after your name. You writing these books. You come Don't up with that. all these fancy concepts. <laughs> stop it. Just stop it. Teach people that we are in a race and people are eating our lunch, right? People are yeah. eating our lunch. And you can only scream racism and oppression so much. It's not like that's going to feed your ass in situations when you're in a race with people that are like outworking you, right? Like if you want to just not work, fine. Right. If you just don't, that's cool. But developing whole movements around it and concepts around it. Listen, like like it gets tiring. It gets tiring. Anyways, that's why I started yeah. where I started hey. with Charles, because I know Charles has hustled so much in life and has this thing about mm -hmm. like he's writing a whole ass book. Like, don't what was it? Don't hustle. Stop hustling backwards. Stop hustling backwards or whatnot, whatnot. Yeah. This to me feels like a show about hustling backwards in some ways. Right. It I is because like if you feel like somebody's going to take care of you. But go ahead. 
My bad. I, like I ain't going to write a think. No, okay, no, okay. I think Reef is going to write a think, a think piece about that book when you send it out. Because <laughs> 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 Reef, what's your theory on hustling backwards? <laughs> you still hustling, right? <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. But, uh, Reef, I'm looking forward oh to Cole's. Right. I'm looking forward to Cole's. Uh, yeah. Cole's book, but I, I mean, I I agree with Chris as far as like some of this is generationally, but it's not new, right? Like, there's I think every there's a lot. I'm not gonna say every single you know youth, but throughout generations, there were f- young folks who said like, "Oh, I'm coming in, I want to be the CEO," right? Like, I'm coming in, I've taught for a year, now I want to be the principal, or I, oh, I did this for a little bit, and now I want to, you know, what I mean, like I yeah, that's not a new phenomenon where. Folks don't quite understand the full picture, but feel like, well, I've studied this toe and now I know like how an elephant, you know, lives and operates and walks. Right. Like because they, they've looked at that toe for for uh, a couple of years. So I think that's I think then added to the, to all of this is like social media, which makes it even more, you know, things catch fire and, you know, much, much faster. Right. And I, and I and again, I think it's a balance. I, th- I think it's, you know, sometimes there's a oppressive system that people are trying to take advantage of workers. And I think sometimes some folks have character flaws and that's distributed, you know, evenly across, uh, across humanity. There's, there's some folks who have, you know, character flaws, you know, um, no matter where they are. And I think it's just important. What I try to remind myself is like, yes, I, I know that some, sometimes I look at that at younger generations and I'm just like soft. They soft as hell. Damn, yeah. I'm glad you said you know, it. Sometimes, sometimes I say I think that, and then, but then also sometimes I look at it, I'm like, you know what? You actually write on that piece. You know what I mean? But it's like, like, uh, and sometimes I might not even want to admit it, right? Because it's like the boys who who man, like I paid my loan, so I don't want nobody to. Like, yeah, <laughs> hey, I don't want nobody hey, else because hey, I did it, and hey, I, like I'm hey, like I don't want to be in hey, that book. Like, yeah, this- I paid. Reef, reef, reef. We can part two of this shit right now. We can part two of this and put the screen on Chris because he, yo, he Don't be having it. some I'm hardcore ass takes. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing All right. it. So, hey, let's let's wrap it up into our closing thoughts, though. Uh, 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 oh, quiet quitting. Uh, uh, Chris, we'll start with you. Uh, thank you for the show, guys. I, you know, like, listen, I've been talking about this a little bit just in general because I saw it pop up on social media, quiet quitting. I think it's a terrible, terrible movement and idea. If you go on TikTok and you look at the quiet quitting uh, uh, videos, there's almost like a celebration of anti-work. And what I would say to quiet quitters, honestly, is this. First of all, well, never mind. Let me just say this. Quit. <laughs> just quit. You're not good. You're not good anyways. You, no one wants you there. Just quit. Actually, like the whole, like my workplace, your workplace, every workplace would be better if the people that just don't want to be there or don't want to work just weren't there. Go find your passion. Be successful mm-hmm. elsewhere. Like there, there are 30,000 occupations in America's uh, occupation guide. 30,000, like even more than that, I'm sure by now, actually. Um, that you can, you could, there are uh, aquarium developers. There are like, you know, people do event planning. There are people like any party promotion, anything you want to do, just don't be somewhere where you really don't want to be there and stay and do this quiet, you know, I'm going to make it bad for myself and for everybody around me or whatnot. Bad workers are a cancer. They are toxic. They are bad for teams. Uh, um, Yes, there are some bad workplaces. So don't stay in one, like leave. 
right? Do something else. I know I'm saying this like it's easy and like blah, 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 but, but you saying it like, like it's like it's like it's not possible too, right? Like like it may not be so easy to leave, but it also is not so easy to just keep working a job that you hate, but you just go celebrate being lazy or celebrate like like taking the business down, right? As somebody who has owned businesses, as somebody who has run organization, as somebody who's been a worker for, for decades now, in many different contexts, uh, in many different scenarios or whatnot, um, leave. Like the reason I've had 46 jobs in my life is because I'm willing to leave and, and, and not make it bad for anybody else. So quit. You bad already. You're not good at it. Nobody likes you. Like, like <laughs> everybody secretly hates you. So, so just quit your job. He said, you're taking it too far. You're taking it too far. You're taking it too far. Reef, <laughs> Reef. I don't want to follow Chris with his crazy. Yeah, you got to. You got to, you got to, you got to clean it up. <laughs> There's no cleaning that. There ain't enough Ajax in the world for all of that. But Reef. you know what? It's, People it's, hate uh, you. <laughs> Nobody oh likes God. you anyway. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think, you know, it was a commercial back in the day, Chris. I don't know if the two young as I remember, but I don't remember what it was a commercial for. But the guy was on the stage like, what's my motivation? Right? Like he was asking <laughs> other people, what was his motivation to do his, his job? Right? And I, I just think- what, What's my motivation? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you do remember? Yeah. So it was, yeah. uh, and whatever that is, I think that's playing out in, in some ways. I, I do think that a lot of folks, you know, the COVID, social media, you know, bad working conditions, character flaws, I think all of this is like in a, in a pot. And it's just, you know, more transparent again with social media. It allows it to, you know, have some real legs, you know, um, centipede legs. And it's just ripping through. Um, and I, I think, you know, I think people have to really understand, like, what's their, what is their motivation? What's their passion? What's their purpose? And I agree, Chris, it's not always easy to just transfer or do something else. Or, you know, you go somewhere, right? Like, just the simple things. You go somewhere else. You might not have insurance for the first whatever amount of months, right? Because you might not have that because that might be the policy at this new role right and so what, what do you do right you have family or yourself and you need that right so it's all these you know complications um you know that are around it so i i do think that people i like what cole said and he often says like invest in yourself finding time hopefully to continue to invest in yourself get the education try to be exposed and this is what we can do for our next generation too. expose them Make sure that they're aware. Make sure that they have different opportunities. Find out what they don't like early on so that they know. That's part of education also, knowing what you don't like, what you wouldn't want to do, what doesn't bring out your passion. And I can tell you, my worst job, it was cleaning up the suburban train station. Mm. And it was a midnight shift. And all my jobs that I hated, it was my summer. And, you know, while I was in college, it was like coming home, working. And all of those jobs, I, I did not like. You know, and I had friends who that was their job. That was their job job because I would come home and they would be like, yo, they hiring. Come doing, come on down. I'm just like, yo, you do this every day. Oh, my gosh, this is terrible. And they were like, well, this is the job. Right. Like, but I just had I was just envisioning something else. So I think finding finding the space that that uh, that you want to be in um, is absolutely critical. And leadership got to know also working conditions and how to inspire right like you can't you can't force someone to do it but part of your role should be something about if you're a leader if you're in that kind of seat something about inspiring something about helping folks some something about making sure that they're successful um but I, i'm just not down with the i'm not down with the quiet or loud quitting just 
especially if you're in um, serving people. I, I'm just, I'm not with it. So you know, before before the, uh, y'all two jump in, please mm -hmm. say y'all two in your closing thoughts. Please say your worst job in your closing closing thoughts. And people in the comments, put your worst job in the comments. I want to see what people's worst job was. But anyways, go yeah, ahead. And, 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 and before before Charles jumps in with his final thoughts, please like and, and share this. Y'all be doing us a disservice on, on, on this. And I don't like it. I'm feeling a, I'm feeling a way about y'all not liking. Are our, are our listeners quiet quitting? Are our listeners I think they quiet are. Like, I, feel like I feel like they're quiet quitting on us, bro. <laughs> I mean, uh, they're quiet uh, quitting on Ray, not the rest of us. They, they, they there for it. They rocking with hey, us. Ray, uh, Ray yeah. shows do numbers. Ray shows do numbers. I hey, will uh, say Charles, my... My 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 worst job, hardest job, to be real with you, was McDonald's when I was 16 years old. Like you could, you couldn't stop moving. They turned the stuff so they could always watch you. And if you was a, a boy, they put you in the back and on and cooking, and you had to empty out the grease and all that. But it just wasn't a. It was it was a difficult job. Uh, I did not love it, uh, and I did not quiet quit. I loud quit like a month. Anyway, um, I <laughs> let me tell you this. I love quiet quitters. I fucking love y'all. Like, because I will always be able to get work. Here's the thing, man. Like, this is a, this, in some parts of life is a zero sum game. <laughs> it's like, there are times when you do have to compete. And if we just going to continue to like raise folks, and it ain't just a Generation Z thing. There are older people that's trying to live their best life and, and, and don't want to have to work. If, and if you work for somebody, if, if you come work with me, you know, just know I work fast. I expect a certain level of quality and you're not going to have much supervision. I need you to be able to work autonomously. Autonomy. Mm -hmm. If you, but if you work somewhere else and it's somebody else's company and they say COVID is over and I need you back in the office and it's a private company, then guess what? You got to either take your ass back in the office or you got to go find another job or you can go try to start your own thing. And this is the thing when you start your own thing, you got to be good because the market We'll get you up out of here. But here goes some free game for people as we talk about this, right? If you one of these people in these jobs, right, there's a term called managing up. And I know people will be like, you shouldn't have to do that and blah, blah, blah. But this is some of the best advice I ever got from a manager. I came in for supervision. He said, it's not my job to prepare our agenda for supervision. You prepare the agenda. And in that agenda, if you want that promotion, ask what needs to happen for me to get that promotion or like, ask me, you know, what do I do well? Where, where can I, like, advance? Can I, is there some type of training that I can have? Like, you have to start having these, you know what I'm saying, conversations. And you got to really understand that concept, man, because you are not a child anymore. It is nobody else's job to take care of you. It is nobody else's job to make sure that you are happy. It ain't nobody else's job to feed your kids. We can talk about what this country should do. And maybe sometimes what it can do, but I'm just going to tell you, man, a lot of people that's in this movement have not felt the true ugliness of what this world has to offer. And I feel mm -hmm. bad for those people because when it comes, they're not going to be able to roll with them punches, man. As somebody who owns a business, I hear no so much. I fail so much. You cannot have a rigid spirit. You cannot be brittle in that sense, man. Not rigid, but brittle. You can't be brittle in that because it'll break you. And if you raising kids in this new society, I'm telling you, if you treat if you raise that kid to think about greatness in some term about how to work hard and how to like create for themselves and how to like build themselves up and, and be the master of their own greatness, I promise you they will be eating these little kids' foods out here, man. And and lazy kids, I don't want to say lazy. Yes, you do. 
<laughs> yes, you do. Lazy as Andre hell. Henry kids turn to Henry adults, fam. <laughs> so if you still used to your mama picking up your clothes, then you're gonna be a 40 year old man looking for your 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 lady to pick up your clothes, and 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 that's on us, man. And so mm. that's my thing about quiet quitting. I love you because this is a competition, and I will always be able to get work, even if I hate the job, because sometimes that's what life requires. You selfish bastard. <laughs> so, so this is a violent night. So the worst job I've ever had uh was 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 selling dope. Selling dope was the worst job I ever had. It was hella dangerous and and um and it left my spirit uneasy, right? Like I saw the destruction that I was doing in my community and and and, and thank God I saw it in, in, in the time frame in which I saw it because it limited the amount of damage that I did to my community. So um, that was the worst job that I've had. Um, next, my closing thought. So my closing thought uh, is totally not, uh, it has nothing to do with quiet quitting, but it has everything to do. We knew that. With we knew that. With, <laughs> all right, cool. It has everything to do with Biden and, 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 and these student, the student loan forgiveness, right? So some people got $10,000. Uh, some Pell Grant recipients got an additional $10,000. I'm not eligible for any of that shit, unfortunately. However, I celebrate the folks that are eligible for it. I celebrate the folks that are getting this win. I, I celebrate the folks that will have their loans paid off because I may not be getting my loans paid off, but I did have the privilege and honor of being able to purchase houses in order to get that home equity and do all those other things. So like my payback came in a different way. But shout out to those folks that are eligible that that are eligible to get this loan forgiveness. I'm celebrating with y'all, and 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 I'm happy for all of y'all. I will, you will not hear no hate come this way because hey, I'm celebrating y'all. Right, this is a victory for for everybody. You guys have been listening to another episode, <laughs> another episode of the Eight Black Hands podcast. We'll see you next week. Peace.